Gospel according to Matthew chapter 15. Jesus left that place and went to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The word of the Lord. She had actually heard about him before that moment when we first hear about her. Yes, she was a Canaanite, and so yes, in the eyes of her very few neighbors in this largely Canaanite region who were Jews, she was therefore an outsider, and a despised one at that, a Gentile dog, as described by many Jews in those days, but she had heard of him. She had heard of him earlier that same day. She had begun the day the way she began every day, and that was to go first thing to the marketplace. She had the best selection early. But what she did, what she always did, and that was to skirt around the area, the few shops that were owned by her few neighbors in this area who were Jews. Tyre and Sidon, this wasn't a Jewish area. She saw that rather than hawking their wares, they were talking. And the talking was intense, and in the intensity, there was a hushed and very evident excitement. She lingered, and she listened, and she learned that the excitement was about something that had apparently happened. She lingered longer, listened more carefully, and learned that actually, no, they weren't talking about something that had happened. They were talking about someone who had happened. His name apparently was Yeshua. Jesus would say she heard them say it again and again, and she heard another word again and again, Mashiach, Messiah, we would say. And yes, she was a Canaanite, and so no, she wasn't overly sure about things when it came to her reclusive Jewish neighbors and their peculiar religious ways, but she did know one thing about them. They believed in, they were waiting for the arrival of a king who would be a descendant of the one they called their greatest king, David, whom they believed God would one day send to them, and, and he would be called the Messiah, the Christ, we might say. And when he came, they believed he would come with the power of God to save them and to establish the kingdom of God among them. He must be the Messiah, one of them said. He healed my uncle. Surely he's the one, said another. He's, he, he healed my nephew, who was blind since the day he was born. I saw him cast out a demon from a man, said another. 
He's more powerful than all powers. As she listened, she thought of all kinds of questions she would like to walk up and ask her Jewish neighbors, but of course she didn't because, you see, she was without status times two in the eyes of these Jewish men doing their talking. Number one, she was a Canaanite. In their eyes, a Gentile dog. Someone they kept their distance from lest her dogness contaminate them. And number two, she was a she. And in public places in those days, a woman of any race or religion was never spoken to by a Jewish man. Never. So she had a question she'd love to have asked, but she didn't because she knew full well from experience the rejection that would greet her if she were so rude as to draw near to or interrupt a group of Jewish men. Later that day, grinding wheat for flour, she was the one who was interrupted by an interruption that was rude. When her son screamed, Mama, come quickly, she's doing it again, and she ran from the next room and found him staring helplessly at his little sister, her little daughter, whose tiny body lay there jerking uncontrollably. Her skinny arms and legs struck out violently, spasmodically, in various directions, she was drooling, kind of a foamy drool, making a gurgling, choking kind of sound. And then her deep brown eyes clouded and rolled back and disappeared up under her eyelids. It was the demons. The ones she had seen plaguing her little girl since she was eight months old. The attacks were awful. But for this mom, almost as awful was the helplessness that she felt mothers make things better, right? But every single time these demons attacked and grabbed her little one, this mother couldn't do anything at all, except this time. This time she remembered. He casts out demons, a man in the marketplace had said. She turned to her son and said, Stay here with your sister, I'm getting help. And she ran out the door. He casts out demons. She remembered again, and she ran faster. She ran to where she had heard that Jesus was. And when she saw him surrounded by a group of Jewish men, she gave not one single thought to hesitate. For properness and protocol are one thing when you're shopping in the morning. But they are another thing altogether when a mom's little girl is in trouble. She pushed through the crowd like a mother bear rescuing her cubs. It was completely out of line. It was terribly unseemly. She did it anyway. When she neared the center of the crowd, she began screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. My daughter, she has demons. And there were gasps and murmurs, not because demons were brought up, right there in their midst, but because it was a Canaanite woman who had blown right past the protocol police now to be standing in their midst, and she was yelling at Jesus. And everyone turned to look at her. Everyone except Jesus. It was odd. Her outburst 
course, directed at him had garnered the attention of every single person in the crowd except him. And all eyes but Jesus' eyes remained focused on her, while Jesus remained focused on whatever it was he'd been doing before, like she wasn't even there. But something pushed her to even more persistent boldness. Help my daughter, she cried out. Help my daughter, Lord. She screamed with a scream that was actually now beginning to get hoarse. And several of the men said, be quiet and get away. And another asked Jesus to please tell her to be quiet and get away. But Jesus didn't so much look at her or talk to her. But looking at some of the Jewish men around him, he did say something to them. He said something to them in response to her. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, he told them. And of course he said that, knowing that this Canaanite woman who was not one of the lost sheep of Israel could hear him say it, and she did. And normally she would have stopped, red-faced with rejection and humiliation, and having once again been rejected and humiliated by yet one more Jew, with no more concern whatsoever for Gentiles, normally she would have slinked back through the crowd and gone home. Except this time wasn't normal. Her daughter was in trouble. And a mother whose daughter is in trouble, a mother whose daughter is hurting, is an almost impossible force to turn away. And so rather than turning, she dropped to her knees at Jesus' feet and she pleaded yet again, Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy. Lord, help me. Lord, help my little girl. Finally, 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 Jesus turned, looked at her, acknowledged her, spoke to her, which would have been encouraging. Except for the words he chose to speak when he finally spoke. It isn't fair, he said, to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Her heart sank. Our hearts sank. Listening to it, I mean, who expects such a comment from Jesus? It isn't fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Gentile dog. She had heard that term barked at her more often than she could remember from her religiously strictest Jewish neighbors, and now Though he spoke softly, though his words had no bark, they still bit deeply and painfully when she heard them now again coming from this Jew. What had she been thinking? He would not help someone like her. She should have known. Her wounded heart sank sinkingly painfully within her. But even that didn't silence her. She kept asking. Yes, Lord, she said with the last bit of pleading voice that she could give words to, the last bit of hope she had. Yes, she said, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall on the master's table. My goodness, how do we not just admire this woman without end? There's no give up in her, there's no arrogance, there's no pride. She makes no 
claim to any lofty or more worthy than other deservedness. She just names her need. She keeps on naming her need to the one she's convinced whose help she needs with her needs. She keeps on going to Jesus. Okay, she said, so what if I am a Gentile dog? Even dogs get cross. And she looked at him. And if you didn't know better, you might have thought it was defiance in her eyes then, but it surely wasn't. It was doggedly persistent faith in her eyes then. As kneeling at his feet, she said, give me a crumb. I'm not too proud for crumbs. All I need is a crumb for my little girl. And that is when she, she felt, she felt, she wasn't looking, she felt his gaze looking at her. So compelling, she, she could feel it. And feeling his gaze, she did what a Gentile woman should not ever know, not ever do. She turned and she met his gaze. She looked him in the eye, and in his eyes she saw, she saw, she saw strength, and she saw compassion, and she saw death. And then what was that? His eyes smiled at her. And then his mouth smiled too. And he said, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And then right exactly then, she knew that whenever, she knew that whatever the way mothers have a way of knowing these things, she knew that her daughter was going to be okay. And in knowing that, she also knew something else. She knew, and the deeper she saw those eyes becoming, the more she knew that there were many, many things about this Mashiach of the Jews that she did not understand. But there was one thing about this Messiah of the Jews that she did understand, and that was that this Messiah of the Jews had enough love in his heart for more than just his own people. This Messiah of the Jews, she knew, had enough love in his heart for her little girl. And that's our Bible story for today. A story in which Jesus in the end does something that if you read the Bible at all, you know he's going to do this, right? Except that along the way, it's kind of puzzling, isn't it? Surely I'm not the only one who reads this story and finds Jesus not acting very much like Jesus, right? He answers her, but not right away. And when he does answer her, he says some things. That, well, they don't sound like the kind of things Jesus would say. Well, how should we understand that? I'll tell you what, this is one of those stories, um, you read different commentators, there's different schools of thought on exactly how to understand these words coming out of Jesus' mouth. I understand it. I could be wrong. But I understand it by imagining this scene from back then. As a scene today. In which Jesus, after church one Sunday, goes with some, some church folks, let's say including you, to a place where there are a whole lot of the people that they think should stay outside and stay away because they don't belong. Maybe religiously, maybe ethnically, maybe ethically, maybe racially, maybe morally, 
maybe sexually orientationally, maybe economically, maybe politically, maybe just plain sinfully, but whatever it is, they, including uh, maybe you, let's say, don't want the contamination of that near you. And now on this one morning after services, Jesus takes you to a place where there, I mean, he deliberately goes to this place because he knows there would be there a whole lot of them. And when one of them comes to him, you look at her and you, and you judge her. And you think, I mean, you just do. You think the kind of things inside that people think about them. And, and one of you tells a joke about people like them. And it's so funny because it is so true about people like that. And so you all laugh. But she ignores you and she goes to Jesus and she tells him that she needs help. And she's come to believe that he's the only one who can do the helping. But looking at you, this in my imagination, this story is an important detail. Looking not at her, but at you. He repeats some of the things you've all just said. And I've always said about them, of whom she's one. The phrases, the slurs, the judgments, my gosh, they sounded so funny and clever and holy even, coming from your lips and from the lips of others like you who think like you. Well, those same slurs and judgments comes from the lips of, of Jesus. Gentile dog, nigger, towelhead, wetback. When any of those same words comes from the lips of Jesus, it's like fingernails on chalkboard. It just sounds so wrong. Want to know why? Because it is. So why does Jesus say it? Because it wasn't until you heard the word so ugly, dissonantly crossing his lips that you finally heard and realized the ugliness of it. And when Jesus realized that you realize, he looks at you hoping that you at last realize too that he, he isn't, nobody is, she isn't, some member of some class or race or religion or orientation for you to judge. She's someone, this is someone God loves. She's not someone for you to think you know because you know them, even, you've never met one of them, you've seen them from the car and you locked the door when you saw them. She's someone he knows isn't a them. She's a real person with a real story and a real hopes and real needs. And right now what she really needs is another person, him in this case, to love her daughter with God's love by loving her with the healing gifts that God put him on this earth to love people with. And so he healed her daughter. Just like in our story, he healed another outsider's daughter too. You know what? He, he healed 
his disciples that day as well. She he healed of what was probably epilepsy, which held her body in the prison of seizures. They he healed of the all too prevalent belief that God is our God, not their God, which holds God's love in the prison of judgmental and spiritual arrogance. God's love isn't for some people, it's for all people. By the way, that includes you. God's love isn't for people just to know, it's for people who know it to share. By the way, that includes you. So who she is sharing with? Well, you know what? Someone you know is always a good place to start, always an option. But this text reminds us there are also times to step out of your box and step off of your soapbox to reach with God's love to someone whom it's high time you got to know isn't of them. Nor is she a no one. She's a someone whom God loves.